Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney, are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Do you or someone you love obsess over the Habs and they aren't even a fan of the team? Is your social media filled with old jokes and pathetic attempts at trolling? Then you have HOD, Habs Obsessive Disorder. From the makers of Bergie Arms comes 3 to 1. 3 to 1 is specially formulated to cause a temporary choking sensation, which will remind you that your team hasn't won a playoff series since the invention of HD television. Side effects may include a desire to shave your head and grow a goatee, a lack of fashion sense, an uncontrollable urge to say, but Tavares was hurt, pretending every head coach this century doesn't call your team soft, an uncontrollable urge to choke in the playoffs, and a realization that your ability to have an inferiority complex while simultaneously being obnoxious while never winning is why you're found undesirable. Ask your doctor if three to one is right for you. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 238. I'm your host, Blaine Putvang, and I'm joined now by my co-host, Treg Wilson. Hello. And Matt Smith. Afternoon. It's a full slate of hosts in this episode. It's a rarity these days with uh, everything going on. Um, It's been a busy week. We haven't had an episode aired since Tuesday. Uh, We apologize that it's been such a long gap, but uh, we are fairly busy with our day jobs, and that takes a lot of time away. So... We're going to pump out a show here t- today, and we're going to cover a ton of ground. Uh, we're going to talk about the uh, the Carey Price injury update. We'll talk about the Canadians' five-game win streak. We'll talk some rumors. But I think we're going to need to start um, with international news. Uh, part of the reason why we're all so busy is we're all dealing with uh, our day jobs and having to get things ready for other units for deployment as we're military. Uh, thanks to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. We won't delve into the politics of that, but we will talk about the politics around hockey. Uh, we'll start with Wayne Gretzky's comments. He came out uh, last night and said that Russia should not be allowed to participate in the world juniors. Uh, he is of Ukrainian descent, so that makes perfect sense that he would come out and say that. But he is echoing the sentiments of a lot of other people. Now, I want to get your thoughts, guys. I want to hear what you think about Gretzky's idea, Treg. I think he's kind of right. I think uh, any Russian teams that are in Russia right now, 
I think until this uh, conflict is resolved, I think it should just stay in Russia. Uh, I know all non-Russian KHL teams have pulled out. Um, Not all of them. Except for Kula and Red Star. Oh, and okay. And the one in Kazakhstan. Yeah. Um, well, okay. Helsinki or Finland's pulled out and... Uh, Dynamo Riga. Dynamo Riga and Latvia. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I, I think he's right. I said until this is over, I think, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, I don't like blaming the kids or like putting them in a, like they want to play, but uh, due to uh, the way things are and the way things are being done, I think it's, uh, you should it be a total freeze on Russia for everything and anything they want to be involved in. Um, I'm not trying to put every Russian under the same umbrella, but uh, situations like this, you kind of have to throw a blanket over it all until it's resolved. What about you, Matt? Right now, I'm thinking that hockey is the last thing that everybody should be uh, should be <laughs> thinking about when it comes to uh, everything that's going on overseas right now, especially around Russia. Um, but I, I would agree. Uh, it's really not the time. And uh, even the teams that have been pulling out, it's 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 really not uh, it's really not the safest to be traveling in those areas right now. And you know, we don't need uh, we don't need any incidents at this point right now, other than. Um, especially with everything that's going on. So, you know, it, it does suck for these young players and, uh, and some of these professionals that are trying to, uh, that are trying to make a living and trying to get into the bigs and everything. But uh, right now it's the right move to make. And uh, who knows if we we're, if, we're, if the conflict continues, if we're even going to see um, a world junior championship. Exactly. Um, I want to begin by saying that my heart goes out to every Ukrainian out there, uh, I, I support their fight for independence. It, they were invaded and now they're fighting for their freedoms. This, uh, this is what a freedom convoy is. It's these people are standing up to a bully who invaded their country. Now, I don't know if the, uh, the uh, IIHF discussion is even, it's a moot point at this point. Uh, I'll, I'll start with uh, Switzerland. The notoriously neutral Switzerland has joined several other countries to petition the IIHF to suspend Russia and Belarus, who also supported the Russian invasion, from the IIHF for at least a year, probably. I don't know. They, they haven't gone into details. Even if they do this, it's a moot point because Russian flights, commercial flights, are not allowed, they're not allowed to land anywhere in Europe. Canada, the United States. So how are they getting there? How are they going to get there? Yeah. Row, row, row your boat. I, I guess though, if they, they come out and say they're going to do this, it's like a sanction. Like they're saying, you're not going to, your people will not be able to do this because of what you're doing. Right. That's right. Um, but now I have a question. Is it going to be, but if they do that, is it going to be like the Olympics? No, if you want it to be an actual sanction, you cannot do this toothless thing where, yeah, you know, you just can't use your name yeah. because the the Olympics. This, this would come down to this would come down to citizenship. Yeah. yeah. So this is the the Olympic thing was more. Oh, we can't. We don't want the kids to suffer for political reasons. But we're past that now. Uh, this uh, Putin's been a bully on the world stage for many, many years. He has shown that no matter what you do, they've been sanctioning him on and off 
since he invaded the Crimea. And it's not changed anything. And I liken this type of action to a hockey parent. So you got this hockey dad that's at every game. He's constantly berating the refs, the, the, uh, the coaches, and arguing and pushing and shoving with parents from his own team and other teams. You, you suspend him, you, you fine him. But at the end of the day, the only way to get rid of this guy is to kick his kid off the team. Now, his son has done nothing wrong, or his daughter. And this child is now out of hockey because of what their parent did. It's not, it's not fair to the kid, but at the same time, how fair is it to everybody else in that community to have to deal with that one guy? That's what I compare this to. You got to remove him from the community. You cannot allow that kind of cancerous action to spread. For me, it's going to be interesting to see how fast all this takes place. And um, like I said, without getting too political there, there are going to be ongoing talks between the Ukrainians and, uh, and the Russians on the, in the Belarus or in the Belarus border, actually. But uh, for me, it's, um, on the hockey side of it is, is how fast, how fast everything's going to be. Um, everything's going to be pushed. Like we've seen moves from the KHL. We've had uh, some very big names in the world of hockey speak out about, uh, about teams not uh, being able, able to go. Uh, obviously Switzerland joined, as you said, um, well, the, the world championships are to be played in St. Petersburg in 2023. So, it's just, in my opinion, it's just a matter of time that those are going to be uh, either canceled or moved to another city. They've canceled other international competitions that were due to be in Russia in the near future. Yeah. But I don't know, Treg, do you think it's possible that they could cancel the 2023 tournament and send it to They've already been talking about moving it to a different city. That was on uh, Sportsnet last night. They're saying yeah. that uh, it's in St. Peter's 2023, and that it looks like they're just going to look for a different place to do it whether regardless of this conflict still going on or not um because even if the conflict ends in like a week or two weeks the fallout afterwards is going to take years so uh it'll be interesting to see uh how it goes i predict they'll just that instead of cancel it they'll just move it to a different uh different vet, uh, different country and or, and stuff like that that's what i think they'll do it'll probably stay in europe just at a different country so that that's what i think they'll do yeah, I mean, Slovakia would be a great place for it. Their hockey program starting to grow, and this Especially would just increase. Yeah, this would increase their, uh, yeah. their their visibility on the world stage. Hell, give it to uh, give it to freaking Japan, Australia. Don't care. Whoever. Don't care. Say Pierre and make along. Oh, damn, that'd be great. <clears throat> All right. Um, We'll move on from that. Uh, we could we could talk about this for hours, but the bottom line is nobody supports the Russian attack. Nobody with you know an eye for freedom for everyone else. Let's just be honest. This is what freedom is, and it's being taken from the Ukrainians because the Russians are just you know Putin's deciding he doesn't want them want them to have it anyway. We'll move on from that. We'll move on to the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, there was an update for Carey Price's injury. Um, 
Shota Nakabe has started doing weekly updates or biweekly updates, which I, I find interesting because it's a level of transparency that the team has not had in a long time. So uh, when it comes to price, since he's like the superstar player, the face of the franchise. Yeah. I understand why they're going the weekly. To, I mean, she puts out every week. These are the state where the injured players are. You yep. see that on social media. Um, I think when it comes to prices, I think so many people are, um, I mean, Blaine, even last week, you're questioning it. Like, I don't know if he's coming back. Uh, I believe he is coming back. Uh, the last, I mean, whether it's going to be a successful comeback or not, I have no idea. Um but the last one they put out this week was basically like, yeah, he's progressing. He's, he's, you know, like they sounded pretty positive about his progression, even though he's not going to be on the ice. Um, but uh, it's transparent, but it's not, if you know what I mean, like they're transparent and saying, Oh, he's progressing and this is what he's doing this week, but they're not really like, is it progressing where you want it to progress? Like, is it where it's supposed to be? Like, is he, you know, is he behind still? Is he going ahead? Is like, and, and that's part of the reason why I'm so, <laughs> uh, I'm so, I question it because he mentioned himself just a few weeks ago that he's had several setbacks in his recovery. Have the setbacks pushed him back? What's, what's the timetable for return? Uh, I would love to see him play this season, but it's not looking good. And according to the, uh, the update for the injury, all it is is just that he's not going to be skating this week. That That's pretty much it. So we're not sure exactly where he is. The gym last week was a scheduled week in yep. the gym and off the ice. So you look at that and go, okay, I get that. They, they don't want him skating this week. They just want him doing gym stuff. But now this week, they're kind of like, he's not skating this week, but he's not in the gym either. So... So what's going on? Is he, why is he not skating or in the gym? <laughs> Does he need another MRI? Do they need to see where the, if there's more damage or. Is this a planned rest week? You know what I mean? Like, is yeah. this, you know, and I get they're being more transparent, but they're. They're creating trans- questions at the same time. Correct. Yeah. Well, bottom line is we hope that he does return and he can play because I mean, it's Carey Price. You want no, him. if he comes back, we'll fall out of the top 10 or the bottom no, you, 10. You can't. We, we, we're only 19 points away. <laughs> and every other team's going to keep losing while the Montreal Canadiens win every single That's game. That's only nine and a half wins. <laughs> you know, yeah. as, much as, you, as much as you want to see Price come back, you got to remember that he's going to be coming back not playing since the playoffs. And you're going to have teams that – likely they're going to put him up against or he's going to want to play that are looking to push for playoff spots. Yeah. You look at, you look at, right. You look in the last month of the season, even. I don't and, even uh, think that's worth even worrying about. Well, I know, but I'm, I'm looking for a successful comeback. Do you really want to put him up against a team like Washington or Florida or something like that? What do you want his first game back? Well, he can't play against the Canadians. So he needs a, he needs well, to play against Right? Quality so, teams, right? Right. I personally so, think if he comes back, he'll start Laval. A reconditioning stint, yeah, that it would make sense. Be. I, I, if if you want my honest opinion, I think they should just shut him down for the year and bring him in clean for next season. 
I yeah. know he wants to play this year. I think he it's a it's a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I think it's professional a, desire pro- desire to play this year. But let's be realistic. I mean, we got what two two months left. Yeah, there's there's under what about 28 games left? 28, 28, 29 games left. I don't see him coming back. All right. Um, so we'll move from there. We'll talk about the Canadians' five game win streak. Uh, who in their right minds would have thought that this season, after the way it started, would have the Canadians on a five game win streak? That's that's nearly half the wins that they had before St. Louis showed up. It's more than half. They only had eight. Well, that's why I said nearly. It is needs three more wins to match Ducharme's win total this year. Yeah, it's sixty percent of the wins <laughs> in an in an eight game stretch. It's really um, sad. It's really sad when you say it like that too. <laughs> like really sad. And that's why people people who are concerned that the Canadians are starting to win should calm down a little bit. Let the team have their wins. Let the the players have their their day. Because at the end of the day, it's not going to make that much of a difference. It's going to be the difference between finishing dead last or third last you're still in the lottery and the percentages are about the same so i had a good discussion today with a greek habs fan oh uh, no it was it wasn't it wasn't a bad one it was, it was a good conversation uh he's really worried about the tank and he's really worried about uh you know not getting uh uh top five Jane, pick. Jane, right Right. Which, which, I mean, realistically, there's a better chance of them not getting, there's a higher percentage chance of them not getting Shane Wright than there is a chance of them getting Shane Wright. So right now, this whole tanking for Shane Wright thing, I think is kind of silly. If they get him, great. If they don't, they're still going to get a top player that's going to be a game changer down the road. Okay. Uh, if they pick in the top five, he's not going to be, I don't think he's going to be this generational player, but he's going to be a top six good player that's going to help the team progress um however they need nine points to fall out of the top five and then they would have to really lose the lotto because you can move up 10 spots in the lotto so even if you're finished ninth or if you finish ninth you can get the top pick if you finish 10th you won't get the top pick or is it 11th yeah. If you finish well, 11th, you, you won't get the top pick. Well, even if they did fall out of the top 10, they lose their pick. They lose their pick anyway because they're yeah. they, it's it's not protect it's protected before the draft. Yeah, top after. 10. Yeah. But so if they say they finish drop to ninth, they still have they can still get the first pick. Uh but the odds that they go that the odds that, that they high go that high standings. It, I can see low. them. I can see them maybe fifth or sixth at the best. If that's if they keep their six twenty five win percentage up for the rest of the year, uh, and even then, you still got to leapfrog five teams, four teams. And they have a they have a pretty solid schedule of teams that are uh, within the playoff race. Yeah. So, Matt, your point about going up against playoff hungry teams comes into play here, because those teams are going to be a lot more motivated to take a win against the Canadians and say, I don't know, Arizona. Well, they haven't played, oh, they haven't played a top team in this five game win streak, except the Leafs. The Leafs were the only playoff team. St. Louis. Oh, St. Louis. That's right. Yeah. But do the Leafs even count as a top team? Mm, Depends on who you're talking to. Offensively. Sure. I mean, you can put up a 10 spot. That's great. But if you're giving up touchdowns, (laughs) 
and you had a 7-2 lead <laughs> and you still needed an empty net to secure the win. Could you imagine it, the, uh, the, it was three, one hashtag is bad enough. It was seven, one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was an entertaining game. Sometimes you need a burn burner like that. I, I can, I can imagine every coach watching that was having a heart attack screaming at the TV back check. Where's the back checking? Uh, 10 guys hanging out at the red line, waiting for the goalie to pass it up to them. They're all cherry picking. But back to the Habs, let's, uh, let's go. We, we haven't talked about the last two wins. So we'll start with the Buffalo game. Canadians came out and they got a four, nothing shutout victory over Buffalo, which it doesn't sound like it's an impressive feat, but Buffalo has really had Montreal's number lately and to come out and play the way they did and do it, uh, giving Samuel Montembeau his first NHL shutout. That was huge. For me, it was how they kept playing when, uh, when uh, injuries started to pile up because Byron went down in the first minute um, from a hit from Samuelson and he went down, he hit his face busted his nose and now we don't know when he's going to be back and he's just got back from from the IR um Josh Anderson took the puck in the face and thankfully uh he clipped his visor before it smacked off his cheek or we'd probably be talking about him being on the IR right now um he only played 10 minutes and really when you take him off that line it really breaks up that chemistry on that top line uh with Caulfield and Suzuki who've been playing uh, outstanding since they've been put together but um for me for that game uh those are the big things it was it really came down to uh the adversity that they showed throughout even if it was against a team like buffalo and uh montembeau getting a little bit more confidence picking up his first shutout um i say caulfield's continued to perform he picked up two points in the game including a goal suzuki scored on a a really nice uh, shootout um, a really nice shootout move picked up three points. Uh, this is a guy that uh, they're going to build the team around. And uh, the more, the more we see guys like Caulfield, Suzuki, et cetera, shine, it's only going to, it's only going to propel them in the right direction uh, going into the next season. Trey. Yeah. I can, I'm going to kind of eat crow on the Montebo thing because uh, all year I was saying this guy's not an NHL goaltender. And really since Martin St. Louis take over, he's played like a, both even Hammond, I mean, we'll get to that in a second, but he's, he's played like a uh, NHL goaltender. He's not leaving the big juicy rebounds like he was. He's tracking the puck better, like almost his every part of his game's better. Maybe a lot of it had to do with his wrist. I don't know, but uh, he, uh, I'm good for him. You got a shutout. Uh, it's the first uh, uh, Quebec-born goaltender to get a shutout since... For Theodore. Theodore, yeah. So... Uh, for Montreal, anyway, so that's going yeah, back. Yeah, normally they uh, they play for the other team. <laughs> yeah, uh, usually it's you know, a rookie goalie from the other team who gets his first shutout in Montreal, but uh, like or Louis first goal or first point or first yeah. anything. <laughs> but uh, good for him, good for the team. I love the compete level in the team, and we're gonna. I don't want to get too far ahead because we're going to get into the uh, the game last night. But uh, um, I just love how they don't stop. Like it's a sixty minute game the entire time. Um, 
like Montebo brought it up the game before when they Toronto, when they went up five, nothing. And then he let two in, in the third, uh, they kind of put their foot off the gas a little bit in the third period and two goals went in this then against Buffalo. They didn't do that. They, it was a 60 minute full court press almost continually. And uh, Buffalo really had, weren't given any space, time or room to, to, to do anything. And that that's the biggest change I think in this Canadians team from when, uh, Ducharme was there is Ducharme's system they just fell back and let the team come to them where in St. Louis concept I'm not going to say system in his concepts they're attacking the puck constantly and it, and and you either they're either rushing the pass or they're uh, you know losing the puck so yep. I, I, I kind of like it yeah he has them playing with pace he has them yeah. attacking the puck um, and he's not telling them how to create the offense He's just telling them, get the puck and go do your thing. Just yeah. do it. So it's giving the opportunity for guys like Suzuki and Caulfield to really express their, their skill set, which is an offensive skill set. We saw it in, against Buffalo with Suzuki scoring two goals, uh, one on the penalty shot on that unbelievable move, out, waiting out Anderson and then just throwing it over his shoulder. And the Caulfield, that goal that he scored, just a quick, quick release on a snapshot right off the face off it's stuff like that that you know these are breakdowns in plays that led to their goals but they use their offensive skills what their innate abilities to make it happen and that's kind of what St. Louis is building with these guys he's he's you say concepts he he says it a lot but basically it's a simple peewee level plan Man-on-man coverage, tight gaps, stick-on-stick, finish your check, move the puck up ice. Well, speaking of man-on-man, here's a good question. I like to know how Edmondson's going to do in this man-on-man because Edmondson is not a good defenseman, defender, when it comes man-on-man. So I'm really curious to see whether Edmondson has well if he ever comes back whether he has the type of season for the rest of this season that he had last season because he is a a strong uh um zone player zone type defenseman not and you saw that in st louis they play uh no it wasn't uh carolina um they saw he played man on and he wasn't he he didn't do very well on the man on man system Yeah, in St. Louis, they played zone, and he looked great. He looked great. So it'll be interesting to see not only is he going to fit into this concept of man-on-man or system. That's a system. Let's let's admit it. Uh, Or is they going to be looking to move him elsewhere because they know he's not going to fit into that? We could also look at this way: if if he if he goes back to playing with Petrie, if Petrie does indeed stick around, maybe they'll say, okay, when you guys are playing together, play like you used to. Because it worked, but you got to get the forwards to play that type right. of thing too. So right. that you're kind of putting two things. All right, when these two defensemen are on the ice, you got to yeah. play zone. But and it's just, that's just to me that would be just too confusing yeah. to, uh, to 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 do. And this is where the uh, the advanced stats and the analytics would come in, where they could assess a player his strengths and weaknesses. Um, we haven't mentioned it yet, but I will here. The Canadians have promoted John Sedgwick, their capologist, to assistant GM. And part of his role 
he's going to stick with the contracts and the money and the cap. But part of his role also is to facilitate the construction of that analytics department. It already looks like they're hiring that guy from Toronto. Um, He's skills coach. He's a skills coach though. That's development side. Oh, right, 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 right. I thought we'll get to that in a minute, yeah. but I just wanted to, to finish off the point. They're, they're going to start using these analytics to assess the team. And that's where watching Edmondson and how he, how he plays in specific roles and systems uh, will come into play. And if he does come back and he looks healthy, I mean, he traveled with the team to Ottawa in their last game uh, with his back issue. If he can come back before the end of the season, perhaps they can convince a team to take his contract in the off season. Or if he remains, they can find a way for him to fit in with what the Canadians are doing next season. Um, I, th- I think that's going to be a very important thing considering they're going to be out of a lot of veteran players, especially on the blue line. Uh, you mentioned Petrie, Matt, and we'll get to him in the, in the rumors at the end of the show, but the likelihood that he stays it, it, in my opinion is less than 50, 50. So keeping someone like Edmondson might be an important thing just for experience. Now with the Buffalo game, and I'm going to tie it into the Ottawa game. I was watching Brendan Gallagher and what he was bringing. Like he has not been producing as he used to. I mean, all season long, nobody was producing, but Gallagher was a shell of what he was before. Like the legs were moving, but he didn't have the impact throughout the season that he normally does. But since St. Louis came in, we're, we've been seeing a different level from him. He hasn't been scoring, but he's in the last, let's see, in the game against the Sabres, he had an XGF, an expected goals for, of 76.8%. That was fifth on the team. But 76.8%, that's high. He had good control. And then you move into the game against the Senators, the 2-1 victory over the Senators, and his XGF, his expected goals for, I'm just scrolling over. Come on, man. Was 81.29% to lead the team. So he's impacting the game the way he did when he was playing on that line with Tatar and Deno. It's that level of impact. So how much longer before he, he pots that goal? It's just a matter of time. I guess you said he's playing, he's playing hard and he's in every play. He's taking hits to make plays. Um, you've seen a little bit more uh, pushback from him than we, than we've been seeing this year, a lot more grit to his game. Uh, well, that's, you know, we've seen 11 penalty minutes from the last two games. And um, I think I thought he, I thought his one of his better games was the game they played against the Leafs the other night. Well, a week or so ago. Well, I thought he played excellent against both Buffalo and Ottawa. And yeah. I'm quite surprised they didn't just for tradition's sake uh, announce a, a disallowed goal for him. It's just I'm a matter a of time. Just a matter of time where one of those happens. That's well. right. <laughs> Come April 1st of this year, it'd be a full year since the last time Gallagher scored a five-on-five goal. Yeah, and that that is a concern 
That is definitely a concern. But for the past again, two, three seasons, he was on one of the better five on five lines in the league. So that is a bit concerning, but it's not, it's not for lack of trying. I think uh, again, under Ducharme, he was a bit, uh, and I, I, I don't want to trash. I'm not trashing Ducharme here. Um, but under he was, Ducharme, he was handed a shit sandwich. Yeah. Ducharme I mean, was. he, 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 got pushed to the third line, which is, is fine, but he, uh, he really didn't play with anyone and they played in a system that was more defensive than offensive, which he normally played in with Tatar and Dano anyway, but that still had some, a bit of offense to it. Tatar's not, Tatar's an offensive player. Gallagher was an offensive player. Dano was the defensive player and they just worked. They just gelled together, which, which is fine. He was on lines that were either two defensive players and him, and he was relied on to provide all the offense, and he just couldn't do it alone. Um, but he, I mean, I, I have a theory on why he's getting all the penalties. It's because he's going bald and he's angry about it, so he's taking it out on all the other <laughs> hockey players. Um, but uh, I, I think the last three games he's been uh, he's been putting the effort in. He's been doing uh, what he can to put the puck in. He had that. Uh, loose puck there last night on Murray that he had quite a few whacks at before Murray checked his own defenseman into him for some reason. Um, and then uh, the puck was still loose when they blew the whistle. But anyway, uh, he'll, he'll pot his goals. He'll, he'll get it. I mean, he has 12 points, which is quite low for him. He's usually around 40, 50 points, but uh, the goal total to me is what, what hurts. Cause he's a, he's, around 25 30 goals a year and he's nowhere close to getting 20 so i think it's going to come down to uh matching him up with another good center or, or, or a better center you can't I, like like not going to throw dofan under the bus however he's not somebody that you should be playing with gallagher same thing as with jake evans right they need to they need to either work with dvorak when he gets back from his injury and have him and find some sort of chemistry or you go out and you find somebody that can, because as you said, with the goal scoring, um, I'm looking at the last four seasons, including this one with Gallagher, when he scored 33 goals, 29, even strength. Uh, when he scored 22 in uh, the 1920 season, 21. And then uh, last year out of 14, he had 11. So as you said, he scores a hell of a lot of his goals, even strength doesn't get a lot of, uh, uh, goals on the power play and uh and this year it's uh it's the uh it's the uh, it's the opposite with the four goals he has three of them have been scored on the power play i think this year is kind of one of those years you you have to take with a massive grain of salt just considering how horrible the start was and by start i mean the entire first half of the year was just utter shit yeah until the last eight games well that's the second half <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean I think Paling, I've been saying this for four or five games now. I think they should swap Paling and Dauphin. Why not? What's it going to hurt? I put Paling in between uh, Gallagher and Huffman, and then you have uh, the potential for a better offensive line on your second line. Yeah, because uh, Paling's really been... Uh, skating good. He's yeah, skating his skating well. has looked amazing. Yeah. He's been... He's had issues with finishing. He's had issues with uh, missing some assignments here and there. <clears throat> But I mean, again, still a rookie and I mean, his, his footwork, he's keeping up. So he would be a good fit there. He's a really good North South skater as well. So that would fit well. 
Yeah. And he's been very good defensively, like responsible. He's, he's been very responsible defensively. And, and it's nothing against Dauphin because I think Dauphin has been having a great season. Play. I think he was playing well before Martin St. Louis took over, but he's just not a top six. He's just not a top six center. He, he's a bottom six center. And uh, I don't know if he's just placeholding until uh, DeVore comes back, but that, that's what so. I'm assuming. I think Paling's going to stay. Paling's where he's at because that's where he's going to be at for the rest of the year when Devor comes at. So they're just keeping him there. But uh, it'll be it'll be interesting. Now, um, over those last two games, Ben Sherrod has led the team in ice time in both games. Um, clearly, you know he's the veteran defenseman. They're relying on him, but they're they're also showcasing him. Um, but one defenseman that we saw in the game against Ottawa who came back and it seems like St. Louis really enamored with him is Schooneman. Schooneman's having an amazing season since he's been called up to the Habs. He's been one of their better defensemen. Yeah, um, yeah this guy should be getting the minutes because offensively, defensively, he just knows exactly where to go and what to do. And I think, he, I think he's been playing great. Yeah, he's um, keeping it very simple. Yeah, he's out playing Kulak. He's out playing... Uh, Clegg. Clegg. Oh, Clegg's terrible. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but Clegg is terrible. Um, but he's out playing him. Uh, Petrie's picked up his game, although I thought in Ottawa, I didn't think he had a very good game. I have to agree with something, and it, it hurts me to do this, but Gary Galley was absolutely right about uh, Petrie quarterback in the power play. Every time he passed the puck, you knew every time he had the puck, you knew exactly what he was going to do with it before he did it because he looked, he, he, he didn't fake anything. He didn't, he telegraphed every play he was going to go do before he did it. And it, it killed me to sit there and go, my God, that mouth is right. Why am I listening to him? But, uh, well, the good news there is that instead of hitting a shin pad on every shot, he only hit, he missed the shin pads and actually got one on net once once yeah but he also hit the shin pads when they had the empty net or when they uh had, had the power play with yeah. two three minutes to go and so you know well i mean with petrie he um he he had some really good moments in that last game he played very physical and when he's playing physical that means he's starting to really feel the groove of the game and that hopefully ha- translates to the next game where he can play a full game like that because when he's when he's finishing his checks and he's punishing people in the corners in his own zone that is normally a good sign for him really being into the game because when he's not when his head's not in the game he is passive he barely moves he makes a ton of mistakes but if he's hitting then you, you can feel better that he would be less likely to do that it looks like he just doesn't care when he's not into the game. You can tell this by his body language on the ice. It's like, you know, when you play like beer league and you're there and then all of a sudden you're like, man, I don't want to be here tonight. Why am I here? You know what I mean? <laughs> so you just go out and do the motions and then uh, get off the ice. You've but, been watching me play. And I'm like, get off the ice, Petrie. <laughs> you can, you get on the ice playing. You're like, fuck, Pudsy's not here. I'm never going to score. I'm just, I don't even want to play anymore. <laughs> My actually, my, my goals are way down this year because I haven't played him yet. <laughs> and you won't, he's gone. No. So he's yeah. uh, he's shout out to my buddy Chris Pudsey, who's over in the Black Sea or heading towards the Black Sea. He's in the med right now. Um, props to you, 
I don't know when Pudsy. and where they're going into the Black Sea. And if I did, I wouldn't say it, but that's right. Anyway, I miss you, Chris. I, I miss scoring five, six goals a game on you. Yeah. Miss you, buddy. You and Big Habs fan Curtis Chambers, take care. And I hope everything works out for you guys. Yeah. Especially Curdy, because, you know, yeah. I like you better than Chris. <laughs> All right. Um, so we can move on from that. Um, although before we do, I want to just mention how St. Louis approaches the practices and how that, that seems to be affecting the games. If you watch any of the practices or you see anything from them, um, they're, they're doing the small area practices, very small area situations. Everything's in a small area. You have to make quick decisions and he's leaping from one drill to the next very quickly. There's no, there's no break in between. So he's keeping the pace up in a shorter period, in a shorter practice. And it seems to be pushing the pace on the ice as well. So that I think bodes well for the Canadians through the rest of the season. Um, now we'll go to the rumors. Uh, all right. Petrie, we were just talking about him. He's been linked to Philadelphia. Treg, what are your thoughts about this? Uh, if the rumors are true, we get Morgan Frost back. I'm okay with this. Um, I'm just wondering if Montreal is going to retain any salary on that. Um, or if someone's going to come our way that uh, has salary with them, which is possible with uh, Philadelphia. Um, I'm okay with it. I honestly don't think Petrie's going to go till the off season, but uh, so I, I think that's just a rumor and, or at least it's a rumor of like Philadelphia is kicking the tires on Petrie to see what, uh, what he can bring for them. And the weird thing is, is why would they be getting Petrie when it, they're not even anywhere close to be uh, to making the playoffs? So it just doesn't seem like a smart move right now by Philadelphia. Um, so that's why I'm looking at it as more of a, hey, Ken, what's this, what's going on with Petrie? Like, does he really, I mean, Ken Hughes said if it works for him and us, we'll do it. So unless it comes to the point where Petrie's like, I want to move to the States, um asap get me you know what i mean to be closer to my family uh then sure but i i really don't see him going to the offseason if he goes at all see that would make more sense in the offseason with philadelphia they're yeah. going to be losing wrist more than likely i don't see them wanting to spend that kind of money on him he's already making five million mm -hmm. so for an extra 1.5 you pick up petrie who would be a more of an impact player than wrist I mean, you I mean, make a point too. Maybe they get him now because they know they're losing WrestleMania in the off season. But why bother now? Why? Why not wait to the off season? Exactly. But, you know, it, it, that would be the case of Montreal moved him for Petrie's sake and not so much. And I don't know. That's the way Matt? I look at it. Well, um, the Flyers' rumors are definitely true, coming from uh, coming from Elliot Friedman. Um, right now, I'm looking at. Uh, the same thing as what Treg was saying, and it would like the the name that I've heard as well is Morgan Frost. I've also heard a little bit about um, Isaac Ratcliffe, who played with uh, Suzuki on his wing in Guelph. Uh, big, rangy uh, winger doesn't really play the physical game that you would see in a normal um, guy of his stature, but can still put the puck in the net at times. Um, for me. I'm looking at the Flyers' defense, and Sealer, Connaughton, Yandel, Braun, 
Ristolainen are all out next year. Uh, that leaves them Sanheim, Provorov, and Ryan Ellis. And Ryan Ellis and Ristolainen were brought in. You had Cam Atkinson brought in. They had all these different um, changes to their lineup that they wanted to say, look at us and just fly right through. And it hasn't, it hasn't happened for them with, with injuries to Couturier, injuries, uh, injuries to Ellis, et cetera. So the way I would look at this move is if they do want Jeff Petrie, maybe it is for players' sake. Maybe it's just they want to get their hands on him before the opportunity is there for any other team to do it. And maybe they're going to try to make an aggressive move, and the cap dump to offset that would be to trade Ristolainen to the Canadians plus something. Or they could just trade Ristolainen to uh, a playoff contending team because Ristolainen's game would fit well in the playoffs. He hasn't played the playoffs yet, but he's but a physical looking, guy. But we're also looking at two teams outside the playoffs, likely not to make the playoffs, yeah. either of them. So even if you did trade um, Ristolainen as, say, the Flyers cap dump to the Canadians to get the, uh, to get the player that they want, especially since Ristolainen is an unrestricted free agent, Montreal can really do what they want with him. And then pick up the pick, pick up the prospect, whatever oh, yeah. it is. That, that's it, that's how I would look at it. I just see that I see them doing their own thing for the rest of the season, trading off whatever, making space, and then doing it in the off season. I think it would just work better, and it'd be less likely that the Canadians would have to retain or take on a contract or any salary. Well, so, that's why that's why I brought up Ristolainen because yeah. they'd only be taking them on till the end of the year. Yeah, and then if they if they if they see him a fit in their system. You know, a big physical right-handed shot defenseman, or let him go. Now, another rumor that's come out just recently is that uh, is Mike Hoffman has been linked to the Pittsburgh Penguins, and there's been some talk of the LA Kings. Now, both those teams are looking for scoring, and I don't know if it's if it's anything more than just some random whispers. But if I were Kent Hughes and someone's calling for Mike Hoffman, I'd be more than happy to move him. Well, Mike Hoffman's over 30 anyway, is he not? Yeah, he, he's definitely on the trade block. And they, they've already said anyone 30 or over is probably going to be shopped yeah. around or at least yeah. looked at being moved, depending on who it is. And I'm okay with them getting rid of Hoffman. I think Hoffman was more of a Bergevin dream guy to get because he was after him for a few years, yeah. and then he finally got him. Um, and nothing against Hoffman. I mean, the guy can score. He's a great power play guy, uh, even though our power play is shit. But uh, there's no need for him on our team, I don't think, anymore. Going into the If the team they want to make is going to be young, fast, and furious, Hoffman's – because he's not fast. I mean, all he really has is a shot. And he doesn't play defense. So, yeah, I would take whatever I could for him. I would try to uh, I would try to convince the LA Kings to take him. I mean, the Kings are looking for scoring. They're they're on the cusp. Their the rebuild went pretty well, and now uh, Rob Blake's looking to uh, get the team into the playoffs and win some series. He's got a lot of good young players in the lineup already, but there's a couple down in the minors that would have a hard time cracking this lineup for the next few years. So why not? Maybe I would eat half the cap if I had to, to trade him to LA. You might have to 
build up a, a package deal in some way for the two teams to make it work. But man, I would love to see uh, Alex Turcotte in Montreal. Clayton Byfield or nothing. So I don't think Turcotte or Byfield are going anywhere, to be honest. I think I think they'd be a bit uh, a bigger uh, a bigger um, trade elsewhere. I think the guy that they would be calling for, who I believe is the outside looking in below the two of them, would be Gabe Valerie. Possible. I wouldn't eat cap for him though. No, but he's in my opinion, he's on their depth chart right now, he's below Byfield, and I believe he's also below uh, Turcotte. Yeah, at center. At center, yes. for sure. Yeah, They're just going to get all the firsts. Montreal's going <laughs> to draft from 20 to 32. Just wait. The draft would go a lot faster. <laughs> they'll, get right, numbers, so, um, they'll get number three and then 20 to 32. That's it. That, that, that's how they're drafting. <laughs> all right. Uh, we're going to get into our final thoughts here for this show. Um, Trek. Uh, like again, I already did. I just want to shout out to all my uh, military friends that are over in the area. Uh, be safe, you know. Hopefully, this gets over quickly and uh, you go back to your uh, drunken booze cruise that you started doing when you went over there. Um, and other than that, uh, that's it. Yeah, that's all I really got to say, Matt. I guess we'll bring up Adam Nicholas now before we sign off. Sure. Okay, so the Canadians, uh, as reported by Eric Engels, it looks like they're going to be bringing in skills coach Adam Nicholas. Uh, He's worked with uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs as a skill development consultant, uh, which he's currently doing now. Uh, He's also a development coach for the Chicago Steel, and he does have a connection with with Jeff Gordon, actually, as – he was a skills consultant when he was the general manager back in 2016-2017. Country for one, club. For the one season. So they've talked about development. They've talked about um, building that up in, in their system and bringing in a guy like this seems to be, uh, seems to be the, the right thing to do. Um, he's been a skating coach, uh, team consultant when it comes to player development, skill, to, skill development consultant, et cetera. Uh, from you know uh, NCAA and the QMJHL with the Lewis Maniacs um, at the uh, USHL level and at the NHL level, I think that uh, this would just be uh, this, this is a positive signing in my opinion. No, I've done a I've, I've done a couple of calls, contact you know text messages with some friends that have had interactions with him, and he he's a big proponent of the linear crossover so if any for those who don't know what that is doing the crossovers in straight lines to pick up speed so think um connor mcdavid how he skates um nate mckinnon how he skates where they're they're doing crossovers you know back and forth kind of like in an s shape in a straight line towards the other the other goal all to in a way of building up maximum speed so he's a big proponent of that type of skating um and that's showing it's becoming the, the norm with NHL skaters now. So that there's that. So uh, apparently he's going to be a, a, a good hire. So you're saying, finally comes out. so you're saying under this system, guys like Savard and Edmondson are just going to be blowing past people like McDavid. Uh, no, <laughs> 
but the young guys, their skating might improve faster than they would have in the past. So that's a bonus if that, that does happen. Um, and for me, I, before, before we sign off, I just want to give a shout out to uh, a friend's company, uh, Derek MacArthur, you, uh, you sent this to me and I appreciate that. It's called All OK. It's a Canadian apparel and clothing brand that is veteran owned and operated. Uh, they rate, uh, their profits, some of them, go towards veteran um, programs. So mental health programs, mental, uh, veteran assistance programs. Um, so if you want to uh, support a veteran company, check out all okay. And as well, I'd like to echo Treg's sentiments to all our friends that are in the, uh, in Eastern Europe and having to deal with what's going on there, be safe and hopefully you come home soon. And to our listeners, I want to thank you for listening. And remember, if you're talking about it, so are we. Be sure to go to habsunfiltered.net to check out all the great giveaways, all the great sponsors, all the promo codes for each sponsor to save you money on amazing products. Did, Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundal from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.